Broadcasting worldwide from the Toad Suck Studio in beautiful central Arkansas, you're listening to Bad Choices in Bourbon. My name is Dan Decker, your host at D-A-N-D-E-C-K-R on Twitter. And this week with me is Chris, broadcasting out of Minnesota. Hello, Chris. Hey, Dan. How are you? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing well. Let the people know what your Twitter handle is real quick, and then that way they can they can know who we're talking about. So I am Starfleet STGMGR, and yes, that does stand for Starfleet Stage Manager. You daggum right it does. All right. So, <laughs> I mean, that is an excellent jumping off point. Um, I mean, uh, for the listeners, um, Chris and I, uh, you know, just like most of the folks on this show, we connected via Twitter um, and then got, got a little bit more connected via uh, Dungeons and Dragons, where we uh, uh, I host a game, and Chris is one of uh, my players, one of the players on the D and D S Nine Pod Twitter uh, game. So check that out. And uh, but uh, Corminara <laughs> may may make a we may get to talking about her. But uh, theater is one of our shared passions. Uh, turn, turns to find out. <laughs> yeah. So I uh, I got into theater. Gosh, I grew up in theater, really. My dad is a sound engineer and sound designer. Oh, very cool. And yeah, and so I, I grew up around the artsy community. Um, when I was in middle school, he was working at the local dinner theater. And so, and that was my first job, was bussing tables at the local dinner theater. But I was also in the high school drama club. And um, it's really funny because when I first started in theater, I hated performing. I hated being on stage. I had terrible stage fright. Um, the only actual role that I played in high school was a terrified old woman. And let me tell you, I was not acting at all. I was so scared. <laughs> but at some Method point, acting. yeah, yeah, yeah. But at some point after, so I, I, was, I was totally on the technical side. And then I decided that I, I really wanted to do that as a career. And I'm... Because you also organized. want to starve for some reason. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Food is, is negotiable, you know. So uh, so I went to college for theater, and I was really drawn to stage management. I'm an organized person. I live and breathe spreadsheets. I like thinking about the logistics of stuff. So I thought that that was what I wanted to do with my life. But after college, I got kind of burned out on theater. So I wound up waiting tables for a while, and then I fell into property. So there you go. But, <laughs> That's how you um, get to theater via proper or property management via theater. Via theater. Yeah. But I still I still really love stage management. I still love organizing things and I still get to do it. Fun fact uh, about the theater, like uh, you never really get out of it. You just don't do it for sometimes. Yeah. You you set it down and then you pick mm-hmm. it back up and then you set it down and you pick it back up. I mean, and... we're all drama queens. You just, you know, <laughs> you say technical theater, but honestly, we, we know what happens behind the scenes. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> it's all it is all drama. It really is. We're we're all laughing at the actors, and we're ten times worse. It's fine. Uh, yeah, no, it's fine. Um, yeah. <laughs> but but what's really funny is that so in college I still hated performing, mm-hmm. and I hated doing costuming. I hated the time I had to spend in the costume shop. I hated sewing. I hated all of that. And now, um, twenty years later, what do I do? I'm a performer, and I'm a cosplayer. See, there you go. There you go. Well, you oh. know, and you you maybe held on to some of those uh, um, skills from that time. I, I was a technical, uh, you know, a techie as well, uh, mostly 
light rigging was my jam and sets building. Um, I really liked putting, you know, taking the designs from, from my professor and putting that to, um, to life on the stage. It was, it, uh, myself, I made, you know, uh, one of my lifelong best friends, uh, he and I met, uh, because that's what we were doing. Um, and it indirectly led to, you know, I mean, how do you get to Apple from the theater? It's, uh, by, you know, starting a work study program there and building a lab of, uh, uh, G3 max to do computer aided set design. And, That's fun. Uh, it, and it, you know, you start there and voila, 20 some odd years later, here you are. <laughs> um, but yeah, it, it, I, you know, did it in high school. I didn't start quite as young as you, but, um, the, uh, the charisma to put on a show, uh, ran deep in my family. My grandmother was a, you know, a very, uh, um, uh, oh, very, you know, what are they, charismatic, uh, you know, full gospel preacher. So early evangelical style. And, uh, and yeah, she would kick off her shoes and get hellfire and brimstone rolling, man. And I tell you what, uh, so, you know, putting on the shows, running in the family, uh, <laughs> but definitely not a performer. I, I like to say I, uh, in school, I had to take, I had to take acting one and two because that's just, you know, you're in theater and there's literally asked, no, there's no way you don't take them. Um, and, uh, but I made B's, so I guess I was a B actor. So, you know, I had to do it as well. I had to take acting in college. I had to take movement. Um, I had to direct something oh yeah no i'm i uh, i left before that happened i didn't finish so i didn't actually get to the point where i had to direct but i was not looking forward to it yeah i think my project kind of sucked but i at least (laughs) you know i passed it um and and now so i i i brought my love of theater to minnesota and um and I, I started performing when I first got here back in 2003 i started performing at the minnesota renaissance festival um, and I was originally going to, going to work with a group and I just struck out on my own. So at some point in there, like the stage fright just went away. Like, I don't know what happened. If I could, <laughs> if I could write a book about it, I could probably get rich, but I don't know what I did. I don't think I did anything. Um, Just the one person I, show. I was a, I was a, I was a village idiot and I drove, I, I, I got infamous because of my pet rock. I had a rock on a rope <laughs> that I just dragged around the entire uh the entire festival grounds which is very large by the way here in minnesota it's a huge site so i just spend all day dragging this this rock around the site and then i also got involved in a show called vilification tennis which is adult humor very adult humor so if uh-huh. you're googling this right now um please please be and, and, and not safe for work be old enough. um yeah yeah don't be on your work computer um <laughs> But our, our show is is an insult tennis show. We hurl insults back and forth oh, at each other. Yeah. And it's it's partially scripted where we write our material ahead of time and it's partially improv because we don't know the sequence. Like if we're playing against each other, I don't know what you're gonna say to me. I don't know what I'm gonna say back to you. I have all of my material written, but I don't right. know the sequence. You have of a it. you have a comeback uh in the in the in the hopper. It's in there somewhere. Yeah, yeah. And that's the but, scripted part of it, or the I, I would say worked part of it. You guys probably you know have worked these because um, there's this there's this guy uh, that I work with, Ty, and when we're on the floor together, it is just 
You know, and if we if we workshop some of the bits that we just throw at each other on the fly, you know, we, there are people at work who are like, you guys should do a show. And we're like, ah, it wouldn't <laughs> work if we did a show. <laughs> I was like, you guys, would, everyone at work would have to show up because then they would all be the only ones to get the jokes. So, you know. <laughs> and that's kind of what we do where we we have writing sessions. We write our material. We workshop our, our stuff like trade this word out for that word or flip the order around. Mm-hmm. But then mm-hmm. we also do improv structures as part of the show. And I've been doing that since 2005. Oh, wow. um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, and every every time I think, man, I don't know if I have another year of this in me, there's always another way to insult somebody. <laughs> as Cards Against Humanity expansion packs have proven, <laughs> yeah. there's, all, yeah. there's always new ways. Or, you know, you can spend five minutes on Twitter and find a new way to insult <laughs> someone. And I have just, I have found inspiration for insults by showing more than up. Once. Sometimes you just log yeah. on to Twitter that day and someone's offended at you, so it's fine, you know. I'm like, mm, there's a there's an insult there somewhere, <laughs> right? You know, Let's I'm gonna what... I'm gonna write this down and steal it. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Don't take away my opportunity to workshop this. <laughs> <laughs> there's material in there. Um, well, that's that's uh, so you you did go to school for theater. You completed college uh, with a theater degree. Yeah, I have a oh, bachelor's nice. of fine arts in technical theater and design. Yeah. Oh, well, oh, see, that's that's what I was gunning for, uh, though. Um, uh, through some sort of some sort of uh, bureaucratic, uh, you know, uh, wibbly wobbly, timey wimey business, um, kids, just listen up. Pay attention <laughs> when you change your address, or oh, I don't know, all of a sudden you get a divorce and your ex-wife like turns off the PO box. <laughs> <laughs> somehow managed to go into default on a student loan while I was in school receiving additional student loans, which by all accounts should not be possible. And so, you know, it was just one of those hurdles that once it presented itself, I was like, at that point, I didn't have to overcome it. I used what I had done at school to get a job at the library as the network administrator and off to the races we were. Uh, it is, you know, it's something that I would have rather been able to finish, but at the same time, you know, it wasn't worth the fight. And I'm still paying those student loans, so to hell with that. Yeah, fair enough. <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm a glutton for punishment. So uh, last year, I decided that I wanted to go back to school and get a master's degree. Uh, and are you going to do it in theater? No, I... Oh. Well, well, I, as I said, I wound up in property management, okay. which is it's very relevant to theater, and I can explain it at length. Oh no, I, I, <laughs> I can. Um, open house is is nothing but theater. So, uh, but about five years ago, so I've been working for the same company since two thousand seven, which I know makes me like crazy, but oh, I'm, I know, I'm a terrible, right. I'm a terrible millennial where I haven't. I haven't How have you had company. the same? That is like ancient. How have you had yeah. the same job, right? <laughs> I haven't had the same job, but I've worked for the same company. There you go. That's that. That, that is a good distinction, actually. Um, and we got bought last year, so so I think that that helps too. But um, about five years ago, I wound up moving into learning and development. So now I'm I'm a trainer and an oh, instructional so designer, yeah. and so I decided to go back to school and get my master's degree in adult education. So I'm oh, doing that good. right now. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's a great I program. A... It's all, it's all online. It's all asynchronous learning and uh, it suits me very well. So oh, I'm about imagine. half yeah. done. 
Okay. So, yeah, the, and then I'm with just, that I don't know. I'm sorry? Well, you're about halfway through the master's program? Yeah, and, and I'm insane because I keep thinking, you know, I could get a doctorate, too. <laughs> hey, no, so, you know, I don't want to... Um, uh, for, for real, though, the, the lifelong pursuit of knowledge... Um, if you're going to be a learner and you have an opportunity to credit yourself for it, you may as well, you know, um, you know, if you, if you are in a place where you can afford to take on the education and get the degree, you know, Dr. Chris is fine by me. <laughs> well, I, and you know, honestly, I really just want to do it so I can write my dissertation about Star Trek. See? It's that's it. And uh, as as uh, Josh pointed out on the excuse me, on the Superman show that we do, uh, I will find a way to work no less than three Star Trek references in somehow uh, in in those shows or any show that you might have me on. You can have me on about anything at all and we'll probably find a way to make it work for Star Trek. Um, And that is because, well, it is relevant to everything. It is relevant to everything. Yeah, um, I mean, just being honest. I have I have Star Trek insults in my vilification tennis repertoire. Yeah, yeah. I mean, um, let I mean, you want to talk about insult tennis? The game was invented by McCoy and Spock. It's true. It was. You know, I mean, they are the masters at three dimensional chess masters of of insult tennis. <laughs> mm-hmm. There you mix some yeah. metaphors. You know what? I, that's what I really should do next time I'm I'm lacking inspiration is that I should just do a rewatch of original series. Oh, for sure. You know, and if you need, I mean, if you want to get some, if you need to do a crib session, you can you can catch up through like Star Trek Beyond, and just let mm-hmm. uh, Urban and uh, Kinto play off each other because I mean, Carl Urban nailed it, and that is the best culmination of those two characters in that franchise. Uh, in that movie there they were they were locked in <laughs> it was great i agree i agree yeah Car- carl urban is a god oh, man, he's so great and uh if we don't get the opportunity to see maybe just come on one more one more guys one more movie with that crew yeah. give me i want to see jayla fly on the enterprise that is what i that is we deserve that we deserve that as i fans. loved jayla i know the opinions were kind of divided on on I don't her understand as a why, character. But, you know no i don't either i loved her i was like she's fantastic <laughs> i feel that energy so much on <laughs> the- uh it'll be it'll be a couple of weeks back yet but relative to recording tomorrow's episode featuring tilly uh hg off the twitter machine her twitter banner is her in makeup as kayla nice and uh, yeah and she she rocked it um but yeah that uh i thought what a great character um you know less less uh i i would have gladly incorporated them into the cast and and let that adventure uh take me on a ride but you know with the loss of of anton and there i have no desire to ever see that role recast um, no. Chekhov in that universe, unfortunately, we lost him. And, you know, having Jayla um, right there and just a perfect fit. I mean, like, come on. I mean, in the spirit of it and everything almost, just a perfect, like, Chekhov slot in. And But it, but it, it's her own character and um, unique to that story. Um, just, you know, it's right there, guys. Come on. You want my money? Yeah. I give you money. Yeah. <laughs> shut up, shut up, and take my money. It's fine. Exactly. That's a uh, that was that's been my thing too. Is like, uh, and you know, anyone out there listening at Paramount Plus, I know you guys all tune into the show, Alex. 
Uh, <laughs> Did she hear um, he got fired? Oh, dang. I don't know even who to appeal to now, but, you know, tack another $5 onto my subscription each month and let's get that DS9 HD up, Master, okay? You know? <laughs> oh, seriously. Um, I'll, I'll, I'll subscribe to, to, to DS9 Plus on its own just for that. Yeah. That's me. Yeah, I think I think I'm pretty much hooked for life on Paramount Plus now that they've got all of the. Oh, Trek they own content. my soul. Are you kidding? <laughs> I, get, I get this. So I get this. Dan, really... you don't have a soul anymore. I don't have a soul anymore? I've shilled it all the way out. Um, if it if it if it weren't already sold to Apple, it's been bought by Paramount. Who are we kidding? Or Disney? <laughs> Who knows? Um, they've got a licensing agreement. It's fine. I think it's I think it's Paramount that I get this bundle deal because i also have apple tv plus and so i get like showtime for free or something i don't know whatever i, I got i got more tv than i'll ever watch we got we got some kind of bundle with disney we've got apple tv for a for a free year because i bought yeah. a new ipad but hey just uh, keep buying new apple products and you'll always get <laughs> apple tv plus for free <laughs> well i'm jonesing for foundation like that's uh, me the, too uh, uh yep can't wait for that one yep there's a friend of the show john uh, bloomfield has a upcoming um foundation podcast covering that that show so, can't wait oh, i'll drop that in the notes but yeah it's uh I, i'm looking forward to that i've been of course uh i've been a big fan of for all mankind so have you watched that already i have watched the the first episode of it and i enjoyed mm -hmm. it mm -hmm. my poor brain right now um I have like three brain cells that are operational. Yeah, everything's yeah, full up here. Yeah, that that are not occupied with either work or grad school. Yep, I was like that. So, I like, like to call it the wet thinky sponge is full. <laughs> it's so. I did not remember this from college, but it is so hard to consume anything for pleasure right mm -hmm. now mm -hmm. because. I am using all of my brain cells to like read these dense textbooks about program planning and adult learning theory. I think like, that we we have we get to a place where we don't do we can't do to both anymore. Yeah. yeah. I my my entire Kindle reading list right now is like trashy romance novels because that's <laughs> all I, that I that I can comprehend <laughs> at present. So pulp, if anyone listening wants a, a giant recommendation list for trashy romance novels. I got you covered at the moment. She's got all I the have, Fabio covers. I have Enterprise War sitting in my Kindle list, and I'm excited to read it, and I'm just like, I can't. I'll, I'll read a I page. I have uh, Enterprise just, War on Audible. It's pretty good. I'm looking forward to reading it whenever I have more than three operational brain cells. Uh, fortunately, I um, I uh, I do better by listening, so I, I'm a big audiobook junkie. And uh, during pandemic, though, I, we kept the Audible subscription active for because why? I mean, we're lazy, and but nobody was going anywhere. Well, Trish was still driving. She still she still she worked through the whole thing. Uh, you know, my big hero. Uh, she uh, like because Apple sent us home, and I was happy to be <laughs> happy to be locked inside. Um, but uh, you know, I caught up some stuff. Go ahead. My husband is a quality manager, so he, of course, had to go to work every day. Like he can't, oh, dang. he can't yeah. spec parts out. Nope. From home, you got to so, be able to see it in person. I mean, even a best remote camera isn't going to do that job. Yeah, and he makes stuff that goes into space, so he's pretty much oh, the coolest person cool. that I know. Yeah, no, that is, yeah, absolutely, that is cool, man. Me and space, uh, I, I'm a big fan, big fan of space, big fan of space travel. 
A um, lot of love for NASA. I have the Lego Space Shuttle Discovery right behind me. I'm a huge fan. <laughs> And, uh, he makes actually, a lot of stuff uh, that goes on satellites and like the antennas that go on planes to talk oh, to satellites. High, uh, yeah, that high gain, uh, uh, you know, super sensitive stuff. Yeah. So yeah, and, basically uh, the coolest person I know. I uh, I did. Uh, it's coming up on the tenth anniversary of the last shuttle launch uh, next month, and I was wow. uh, I was there for that. So sadly, to you know, it's been ten years since we did that, but also I was very much excited to be there for it um for all the bittersweetness of it but it was an incredible an incredible show i'll uh uh i'll put a note on my calendar to make sure i don't forget because i have a blog post i wrote very soon afterwards so that i had it all locked in there and uh, share that story because it was cool it was very cool yeah making stuff that goes into space that's awesome um well let's talk a little bit about so star trek is that the the only sci-fi or what's your what's your sci-fi wheelhouse oh man no it's not i am i'm a huge nerd so star trek was my first i think um and i was trying on first contact day and and before that there were so many people on twitter sharing their first contact moments like the first trek that they remembered Mm -hmm. encountering and i'm so jealous because i don't remember what it was right um I, I think it was the price but for TNG, but I'm not 100% sure. I'm going to probably stick with that because that's the first one I remember. Oh, my um, gracious. Yeah. But I, I think I really, really solidified my love of Trek in the kind of the golden age of TNG and then when DS9 launched. So the like series three through six of TNG. That and is then, the golden age of TNG, isn't it? Yeah, those yeah. are the sweet spots. Those Seven are sweet got spots. weird a little bit, although yeah. I do have, have the uh, loving the thing that everybody else hates for masks. Uh, you know, um, I need to rewatch it because I've listened to a recent podcast episode about it where they were kind of on the on the nay side of it. And, and while I, I all of their criticisms were valid in the technical side of things from the from the the um production side with the characters um anytime brent spiner gets a chance to be on showcase i'm okay with this mm-hmm. <laughs> and he did you some know? amazing character work in yeah. that episode oh, through the Just... whole show but that episode in particular is one of the reasons that a fistful of datas is one of the greats is not just because it's such a fun you know just you know irreverent episode but because he gets to do so much yeah and just get it letting him stretch his legs and just he's clearly having a fantastic time in that episode and just when you get to see a performer an actor a professional just having a great time doing what they love to do uh, it's just such a joy Watch. One of the one of the jokes they did make in that in that uh, uh, commentary though was that it is uh, uh, Brent Spiner's uh, one one episode seasonally contracted uh, one episode where he just gets to be an absolute uh, you know uh, ridiculous character. <laughs> <laughs> and, that makes uh, you sense. know you could like... probably peg one down in every season of TNG where he's just absolutely ridiculous. Like if I was an actor, I might actually insist that that be included you know, in my contract you can't prove like one, it's not yeah one episode if, if it's an episodic format 
uh, I get one episode where I just get to go nuts. Completely bonkers. Absolutely bonkers. Um, and uh, yeah, no, it's uh, so I would say now three season three, of course, is as as uh, as folks say is when when it, it grew the beard, you get uh, you get the collars, the nicer uniforms, um, less pajama, e more, you know, utilitarian. Um, and uh, Riker has the full beard. We step out of what is obviously a very 80s-esque uh, motif and into a more timeless aesthetic. Um, you know, only ever when it goes into the um, civilian realm does TNG show its 90s uh, roots. Yeah. Um, and uh, But if you, if you just keep it in the realm of, of the future of Star Trek, um, it kind of... It doesn't stand out anachronistically as bad as, let's say, the original series does. Right. But season well, and, one and, and two just look like season one. And, <laughs> and whenever, whenever it goes into to something contemporary, like I don't care what what show you're 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 looking at, what era you're looking at, it's always going to date itself. Like you look mm-hmm. at Voyager when they time travel. Yep. yep, you know exactly when that it's was. It's 1996. Made. Yep, DS9. <laughs> You know exactly when that was made. Although they did a they did a little bit better job at, at trying to branch out and look at some other eras other than when the show was actually being made. Right, right. You know, with the with the 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 best or the biggest time travel episode they had was um, uh, past tense, which is frighteningly close to present tense these days. Um, you know, and uh, I think dangerously close to act- to being the actual timeline we almost <laughs> got. Holy uh, cow! Was that a sweat box? Yeah, uh, but, like the, uh, the 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 memes on Twitter of the his name wasn't uh, George Floyd; it was Gabriel Bell. Yeah, that was, ugh, that was too punchy, that was man. Clo- very close to home, literally. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, it was. Uh, it was. It's in. Um, you know, a lot like The Simpsons, Trek tends to tell the future uh, in sometimes better. You know, not the best ways, uh, but. It always challenges us to be the better versions of us um, yeah. if you let it. Uh, and uh, I think that's where modern Trek um, catches a lot of people off guard because it is challenging a lot of folks to be better um, in their face in a way that makes them uncomfortable. And the Trek at its best makes you uncomfortable. Um, you know, um, or should, uh, because if, if you are, uh, you are either not paying attention or you are the most open-minded person who has ever lived. If there is, if everything about Trek, uh, doesn't cause you to think about something, um, a different aspect of, of, you know, someone's experience or, uh, how you might color your own experience, uh, with a new knowledge. Um, and you look back, at some of those examples now and they don't hold up well but they did what they did at the time that they did it and that was important then you know and i wouldn't be open to these new lessons that trek is trying to teach me if i hadn't learned those lessons then right well and but you, i'm not you gonna just sit it. on that <laughs> right and it and it's probably also you know worth thinking about that some of the questions that older Trek raised, even if we now don't like the way that they were answered, they're still worth thinking about. Mm-hmm. 
Right. Um, you know, I'm thinking about like the the episode of the perfect mate. I think that was what it was called. The uh, the metamorphic empath that. Ooh yeah, that one. Yeah, that, that yeah. one came up uh, the other day, and I was like, ooh, right, e, yeah, this one. Yeah, doesn't age well in terms mm-hmm. of the outcome, but raises some really interesting questions that are still very relevant today. Well, and that was that was always Trek's escape hatch uh, is that, you know, the reset button uh, is 43 minutes away and all you have to do is answer the question for this episode. Um, and, you know, uh, it is more important because even when they, quote, answer the question, they don't. They dance around a definitive answer on some of the deep moral things because that is the, the answer isn't the point. Asking the question is the point. Um, right. Leaving you, the viewer, with uh, the the gears turning, you know, when you when you're watching the closing credits and you hear the 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 closing fanfare, you're not reading them. You're thinking about how that episode just wrapped up, you know. Hopefully, um, and yeah, it, it's uh, like you said, it it doesn't it doesn't necessarily hold up well overall but the lesson it tries to teach uh now that can contrast that to some episodes that don't hold up at all there are right. a good dozen of them at least and or episodes okay. that were very very interesting but then the storyline just kind of got tossed out the window like right. like force of nature with uh starfleet limiting their ships to a speed of warp five yeah and then uh like, uh, no, we're not going to do that yeah. anymore. That's inconvenient. But that, was, <laughs> that was a really, really interesting set of things to explore. Like, we've been relying on this technology for a couple hundred years now, and oh, all of a sudden we've discovered that it's really destructive. Like, what an interesting allegory that was relevant both at the time and is relevant still still today yeah with uh with the consumption of carbon uh carbon materials to power most of everything and two you know that carried forward to uh to some to maybe even the nth degree into spoiler alert have you seen season three of discovery yeah, yeah. Okay, so uh, dear listeners, spoiler alert, season three of Discovery carried forward to essentially the burn. Um, well, and you know. I was I was very, like, so, yeah, dear listeners, I apologize if I piss anybody off right now. Um, <laughs> so I found myself, like, I really, and I want to preface this by saying I really, really like Discovery. I love it, and I loved season three, but I found myself changing my loves of what I cared about in season three. I started out really invested in the burn. Like Mm -hmm. what the heck is going on here? And I don't give a crap about what's going on with the politics of the galaxy. But I I felt like there were a lot of threads about the burn that got dropped Mm -hmm. and, and the resolution of the burn was not terribly satisfying to me. So I found myself sort of flipping where I don't care as much about the burn anymore. I'm really more interested in the politics of the galaxy right now. The interactions between Vance and Osira are fascinating. Love those actors. Their chemistry is fantastic. It was. Um, and, I, and I found myself caring a lot more about that because that really resonated with me. But I was, I was really disappointed. And maybe about that all... was their subversive heel turn, you know? Yeah, right. Or maybe like, they okay, kind we're, of we're... Gave, gave us all a little something to chew on, you know? But yeah, the the whole 
the the allegory of like the burn and now guess what you don't have this this technology and this resource that you've relied on again now for like over a thousand years you're and even before the burn you're running out of it mm -hmm. like again great allegory for now with dependence on fossil fuels and having to reduce carbon emissions and all of that and it just kind of went nowhere so i was I was a little unsatisfied with <laughs> with that meal that we got to eat. Yeah. Well, and and now too, um, you know that uh, it did end up being somewhat of a gift and a bow. Hey, by the way, here's all this dilithium you can use now and a way to get yeah. it to you. Uh, Deus ex so, dilithium. Yeah, mm, dilithium. Um, but uh, you know, I uh, a lot of folks took uh, took some umbrage with the with the emotional tie to the dilithium energy. And I was like, we're talking about a rock that can control an antimatter uh, annihilation explosion. So maybe it can do a lot of things. I don't know. Man. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, that didn't necessarily, <laughs> th that didn't bug me. It was just kind of a, okay, well, I was. It's not the worst thing Star Trek's ever tried to play no, off. <laughs> no, no, I, I would have preferred them to explore it a little bit more and to, to really like go all in. Like you've set up something fascinating for really how does was, the to me. how does the galaxy that's been dependent on this move on mm -hmm. instead of oh, okay, oh great Deus Ex Dilithium Planet. Well, and too, you know, it it it. it um, I think a lot of the um, a lot of the fandom, not to get too technical into the weeds, but yeah. um, you know, what works in Trek depends a lot on the existence of subspace and an understanding of something that right. we don't even know if it exists. So like, you know, the only way, the only way most of the, the, the technology in Trek could even begin to function is through something outside of what we understand as normal space. There's no way transporters work. Otherwise the amount right. of energy required to turn you into energy would vaporize you before it turned you into energy. That's, that's it. Your energy now. <laughs> well, an instantaneous communication. At Gotta, yeah. Insane, mm -hmm. Or non-relative space travel. Yeah. Yeah, no delay while you're you can you can communicate while you're in warp. Yeah, yeah. So it exists outside of normal space time, and uh, um, but you know some it, but with through you know obviously the lithium has a subspace component that uh, could have been assumed but was very clearly stated uh, as part of its um, a part of how it works, which makes sense since you know warp plasma is not just any old plasma. <laughs> it's got to right. be something funky, right? So what you other sci-fi though? Yeah, well, yeah, and I was just gonna say that's a great segue into it because if you're if you're looking for kind of the opposite of of a, a series that that tries to explain their technology versus one that's just like, yep, it's just like that. Uh, Doctor Who is another yeah. love. Nope, that works. <laughs> yep, <laughs> we got, we got time a, travel. We got a box that's bigger on the inside. That's how it works. We got, we got a sonic screwdriver, but for some reason it can't do anything with wood. <laughs> yeah it's um uh yeah no doctor who probably either uh is, is so trek and star wars and doctor who there's just really like you said there's no i have no memory of not having those things in my life and i can't tell you which came first at this point it's just all been there for so long and such a big part of um mm -hmm. of that but yeah doctor who uh when did you come do you remember first time you saw doctor who yeah i was a new who I okay, didn't right on. I didn't pick up pick up Doctor Who until uh until the revival and Christopher Eccleston ah, took the torch. So I love it. He was really good. Like he was yeah. just 
he was really enjoyable to watch, and I he, it felt like he was having fun being the yeah. doctor. And it, it it seems like like now you hear him talk about it, and I guess he really wasn't having a good time. But yeah, that's um, unfortunate. <laughs> yeah, it's really unfortunate because he looks like he is. Um, it, it, I mean, David Tennant is my doctor because that was like in in terms of the revival and the Russell T Davies era. There's mm-hmm. there's no comparison to David Tennant, and I think that that Tennant is cemented in his place as one of the great doctors. Oh, no doubt about that. No doubt. Um, and that run too, Matt Smith, uh, also, but I would say, yeah, David Tennant, um, just coming in right after that and, uh, the whole arc with Rose Mm. and everything. But yeah, he, he definitely is a top five for sure. Yeah. I mean, I go way back to, to the beginning almost, uh, Tom Baker was my first doctor. So, mm. uh, yeah, way back. Um, I watched, uh, and, and well, and, and in those days it came over on PBS. So, uh, it would air in the UK. And then, you know, a couple years later we would get those seasons here. Um, and so we'd watch it that way. And, uh, and so a lot of it was, you know, the older stuff in the, uh, I would see in the mid eighties. Um, and then of course, there was nothing in the nineties, uh, really to, right. uh, to pay, to pay attention to, but I was right there front, front, uh, front row center for, uh, the relaunch with, uh, Chris and was ready to hit the ground running. Um, my oldest, uh, picked up and started watching with me. Uh, and, but his, his Matt Smith, this is his doctor. He is okay. a big Matt Smith fan. Uh, but he was, you know, 11, 12 years old and Matt was a lot of fun. So, you know the other the other thing that I was so pleased about um, was that after that uh, train wreck of a TV movie where they had Paul McGann <laughs> in, yeah. he got his day yep. with the 50th anniversary, and that yes. that eight minute special was phenomenal. Like I think I feel like that instantly catapulted McGann into my top five just because he was so good and he just and so was willing able, to own it he was able to show what kind of doctor he was in eight freaking minutes yep on yep. screen and because, i'm like uh, okay who you gotta wonder at that point you're like okay what turns you into the war doctor right yeah yeah and you got to see it you yep. do in yep. again like i said eight minutes you understood exactly like where he was, you didn't even need to do any of the audio dramas or any of that to understand his character. Yep. And it was just chef's kiss it's good stuff. It's good stuff. And that's, that's the, you know, that is another one of those. Um, and you know, it, it's, it's something that I think almost, I wouldn't say universally, but it is, it is definitely almost hand in hand. Uh, Trek, fans and who fans whovians uh trekkies and whovians um we we cross over a lot and these two franchises are the oldest continuing franchises in science fiction let alone any other media um or or genre i should say and it's i don't think that's I don't think that, you know, can be discounted as far as that's not a coincidence in a lot of ways. Um, these two, uh, you know, which 
you know, Doctor Who started as an educational program trying to inspire youngsters to think uh, in science and, 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 and these broad terms and history and things like that. Um, and then, of course, Trek has inspired so much uh, innovation and people to, um, uh, you know, go into space and go into these roles and to uh, create and, and, and invent. And but the depth of those two, you know, in both in their sixth decades right yeah I mean, what, 63 for doctor who right so it's coming up on 70 years is that right well we had the 50th yeah so it'd be 60th, ago. 60th. yeah coming up yeah oh wow yeah wow that is something man and then yeah and trek is in you know this is the 55th year of trek um incredible just incredible that these two franchises and um what an impact too you know? And it's so interesting, the way that we, we talk about them can kind of overlap. Like, who's your doctor? Who's your captain? Mm -hmm. uh, when did you, during during whose run did you pick up Doctor Who? Which series did you pick up Trek with? Well, and at their heart, too, they teach hearts, if you're talking about the doctor. Uh, <laughs> but, they, but they teach the same lessons, um, if you let them. You know, yeah. uh, it is love. It is acceptance. It is finding the clever way to win. You know, a lot of folks think of classic Kirk uh, as a rough and tumble, wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, kind of shoot him up guy. But at his best and in the best moments of Trek, he's being clever. He doesn't want to. He doesn't want to shoot. He will. And sometimes maybe first, but more often than not, Kirk, Kirk tries to be clever. And he's really good at it. And, um, you know, even more so, uh, uh, played a little more towards the the snark, but in the, you know, in the Kelvin movies too, Chris Pine kind of would rather be clever than, uh, than fight, um, except for that bit in the bar. <laughs> and then you get, you get the next one, you get Picard, who is a Renaissance man and who mm -hmm. is very much the, the intellect, the diplomat, that is certainly not a a fighter mm -mm. is not perceived that way but bears a lot of force um mm. you know uh i like to think of it too i mean it's you it's one thing to show up out in the frontier uh with with your old constitution class enterprise and have to maybe settle some differences that's a whole other thing to show up um out there in you know some some established space with the flagship galaxy class enterprise you feel maybe a little more confident in your diplomatic yeah. position it's <laughs> <laughs> a very it's a very good point um you know um. it's 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 easy to be nice <laughs> When you yeah, have, when you're uh, when, when you're sitting that on that thing, yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, isn't she a beaut though? <laughs> <laughs> what is your favorite Enterprise? Do you have a favorite oh. ship? I should say ship. I shouldn't assume it's the Enterprise. What's your favorite ship? God, it's Any, so there's hard. There's no to, wrong answer. It's hard to pick. Do you um, have a Do you have a couple three that you can name? I'm not oh. gonna make you pick a favorite child. You know, I love I love the aesthetics of the Discovery. Oh, I yeah, me too. I, I like the, the design mm -hmm. of it because it's so different than we've seen. And you can clearly see like the, the influence of the era that and, well, and the ship it's design. the Ralph McQuarrie design. Um, you know, that it was, it was based off a, an earlier design for the update to, of the enterprise for phase two. And it was instant to me, 
that aspect of it was instantly recognizable. And I was like, oh, yeah, man, let's roll with this. This is, you know, I had questions, but I didn't care. Right. Like mm-hmm. I always like updated Klingon look. I had questions. And then all of a sudden I was like, I don't care. Whatever. Let's just <laughs> this is fun. Let's have some fun. Well, in seeking answers to that question, I found the fandom menace. And I was like, I don't give I don't give. I don't care what the answer is because I ain't trying to find it through here. And so I just ran away, you know, screaming uh, <laughs> from that. And, um, but yeah, you're absolutely right. The, the, the discovery. And, uh, and w- so what else? Give me two more. Oh, um, I liked the defiant a lot. Yeah. Yeah. From DS nine. Yeah. Um, and DS nine was, was really the first track that I picked up from the beginning. I was, okay. I think, um 11 or so okay. let me ch- I'm, ch- I'm checking the year uh yeah January i was 11 or 12 i was 12 okay when... so you're not okay you don't make me feel that old so i was 12 when ds9 launched and that was really the first track that i picked up like from the start it was there for think? the pot I loved it. Like that's yeah? that's my that's my well, nostalgia. Because you were like real contemporary to Jaco then at the time, right? You t- you two would have been a, you and Jake and Nog were about supposed to be the same age, so yeah. You had an analog in the show that was easy to easy to latch onto. Yeah, it was interesting to to kind of, and I think I I think I found myself identifying a little bit with both of them. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was interesting to have that representation of the younger perspective that was if not like constant, but at least recurring, you got to see. I had Wesley. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I identified with Wesley too. Like I, I was Wesley. the, I'll the fight smart. You. I'll fight you about Wesley. I, I adored Wesley yeah. because I, I, you know, I was a smart kid that didn't really fit in anywhere. Um, well, as I and, think a lot of us. Will Wheaton's embracing of, of of it and us as fans and his fan his own fandom just endears the character to me more um you know you can you can take your wesley memes and yeah they're funny but in the end um you know when he his character actually uh plays really well in the end yeah um, and it's it's a different perspective so um Um, but the ups nine deep space nine (laughs) um i was just thinking about my my third choice for a ship so so the discovery is one mm-hmm. the um the defiant is another i don't know i like the enterprise d but it always god i travel so much for work and it feels like a hotel to me it <laughs> like looks with like the, it's the hotel in space man it's the hilton in space and the aesthetics um and i mean it i love does I, feel 90s ish you know, in its design, it has this big, you know, like family SUV luxury, maybe <laughs> um, sedan feel to it that uh, uh, kind of gives it a little bit of date. But yeah, it, it, it always felt top heavy to me, too. I am. I'm going to use my third as a placeholder because I like okay. what I've seen so far. Uh-huh. Um, I'm, I'm interested in Pike's Enterprise. Yeah, yeah. Liked. Liked the bridge redesign. Um, yes. I guess that there there might be some more redesign coming from what we've heard about Strange New Worlds. Mm-hmm. But um, but yeah, I'm going to use my third as a placeholder because I like what I've seen so far. Well, I uh, I'm I that is uh, so I only uh, I told myself I would be you know I would limit myself to just the XL models of the Eagle Moss collection um, because that way I you know there's only a, li- a limited number of them. 
and I only have so much room. And so, yeah, it's a compromise I made. So I have the, um, the disco prize, as I call it. Uh, I do have the Eagle Moss XL disco prize and it is gorgeous. Um, I love them all. Don't get me wrong. The, the original series enterprise will always have and be the standard. Always shall be my friend. Uh, but the refit update, come on. That is that is absolute perfection in Starship design. Um, it is a gorgeous, gorgeous model, and you know there's a lot of nostalgia in that. But that but and people complain about the length of that uh, opening pan in uh, the motion picture, and I say it's you know needs to be twice as long. Uh, we didn't <laughs> see the other side of the ship, uh, <laughs> um, and and then but the but the the disco prize is real close to, 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 I mean, it is, and if you put them in line, especially the, the disco era enterprise and the refit, the design language and the aesthetic travels forward better. Um, and that's okay. I can, in my mind, I can rewrite that for myself, you know, uh, and it doesn't take away anything that the original show or the model or Matt Jeffries did. Um, but yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll second that vote. Um, I got a lot of love for the Miranda class. The Reliant is a tough little ship, mm. I think. Uh, cute and um, a very uh, creative way to uh, give us something unique and interesting out of the parts you had on hand from the other model you made. Because, <laughs> you know, it is just a jammed up enterprise. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and uh, you know, it, it, there's so many. Like, it's, it's some of it is kind of like a mood. Like, what do you want your ship for? Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. What do, you, like, what do you need? Starfleet will just jam out a new, they're like, oh, we need a new class for that. And they're like, it's just a shuttle around the moon. Yep, five new classes, five new classes <laughs> for that. Because we got names. All we need are names. Mm. And, um, I liked what, what we you... saw of, of the Enterprise C in yesterday's Enterprise. Mm -hmm. like, uh, that the was Ambassador a cool... class is a fun, fun, little, fun little ship. Um, yeah, it's a it's a nice uh, it's a nice design transition between uh, the Excelsior class and the Galaxy class, and uh, I've I always thought it was a um, I would have um, you know there there are so many uh, chances for short treks and other opportunities to tell some stories, and one of them would be more time with the sea, you know, mm -hmm. um, just that just you know maybe a uh, and, and the idea of the lower decks, you know these. The, the crew that isn't just your primary focus, you can tell stories on these ships with these crew. And I think we would be there for it. You know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm a backstory person. Like yeah. give me, give me all of it. Give me the mechanics of how things work. And yes, like I know we have, we have the blueprints, we have the technical manuals, we have all of that, but like, you know, you find yourself wondering like, how does laundry work? Yeah. Like, yeah. You know, Let's spend. Let's just spend a couple of short treks with some, some you know, rando third, we you know, third shift uh, crew like we do on the Cerritos. Let's spend some time with those guys on an important mission while it's happening. But on the Enterprise C, you know, let us see those models, those decks, have some fun in that time period with an inconsequential story. You know, it's yeah. just something to chew on. Um, it's like uh, it's like I like to tell people when they you, you, people they want to get upset when some, some retroactive continuity is introduced like Michael Burnham is Fox sister. Well, you can let that break your brain or you can understand that uh, even as viewers, even at 800 hours, if you do the math, 
we've spent about six weeks with these people overall in real time. Right. Out of decades of centuries now of spans of history in this fictional universe. It's a minuscule, tiny little fraction. Um, and, and we got the highlights of their adventures, right? So we're not going to know everything about these characters. And they might have a sister that we hadn't heard of before. It's totally fine. You know what? I go to work with about 80 people. And I'd be surprised if half of them knew that I had a sister, let alone three. You know? Right. And like, so all of a sudden, Dan Decker has sisters as new information. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, I don't talk about myself a lot at work. Exactly. I've 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 had that happen where people will be like, "Wait, you do that?" I'm like, "Yeah, I've done that for years." Well, I didn't know that. Yeah, because I don't talk about it. Because it's, it's why would you? Why would you know? There wouldn't be a need for you to know. And I mean, even if we spent our entire, you know, if we spent five years together on a starship, especially if we were two out of five hundred people. And, you know, we even if we worked in the same department two out of, you know, three out of five days a week, the likelihood that you knew that I had a sister would be almost nil, you know, and it would people just want depend. to let this break their brain because it's Spock instead. It would depend on you know? context. Exactly. And but, you know, I mean, let's let's it's it's easier to just let it be than it is yeah. to try and find a reason to fight it. You know, I'm mad about it. Y'all. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. For me, it, that relationship too, and I've mentioned this before on several occasions, but the, the Michael Spock relationship uh, actually enriched the Spock character for me uh, because it drew a better, it drew a different connection. You know, my sister's not a fan, but because, you know, they, um, they, uh, had, uh, you know, uh, told us that Spock has dealt with dyslexia. Um, my sister has dealt with that and, you know, we are, um, you know, we, we are half siblings, you know, genetically. And so we grew up in this, you know, kind of the similar environment where we only had each other to depend on and just all of that just, you know, reinforced that for me with my sister, with Spock and Michael and, you know, if, why, why not let it make, make a better story for you than try and find it to take something away? I don't know. Well, and I think, you know, you, all of the dimensions that get added even to these beloved, timeless, iconic characters, they, they make more people feel seen. Like I'm thinking about um, Guardians of the Galaxy and there was kind of an, uh, like an infamous little meme that was floating around about Drax and his metaphors. Like he doesn't mm -hmm. get metaphors. And there are people that can identify that with with that with with their mental health. Like it's just yep. not something that they understand. And that's something that they can identify with and makes them feel seen and represented on screen. Yeah. And I think that this this thing where where Spock had this learning disability, we're seeing him figuring out a sibling relationship that was really uncomfortable where they didn't speak for a long time. I mean, a lot of people have have He was probably traumatized kind of by Cybok at that point. Yeah. And they, there, there are people, and you see Spock like going through this where didn't get along with his father that well, had some issues with his mom too, didn't speak to his sister for a long time. Like people can identify with that. It makes them again feel represented on screen, and I, I don't think that that's that's a bad thing. And I'm also really enjoying getting to see this younger Spock. Like I was, I was having this discussion uh, a, a couple of weeks ago, trying to figure out like what is the equivalent of Spock age 
right now because Vulcans have a much longer lifespan mm -hmm. than humans do. Spock's half human, but so he's 27, 28 right now. And if it's a pure ratio, this is like late teens Spock, 17 or 18 right. equivalent. Right. He is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, and even if you, you've, if you split the difference, like this is, this is the equivalent of Spock that just got out of college. Right. So he's he is not only is he emotionally compromised by his by his uh, uh, by genetic nature, he is also an angsty teenager who's maybe been yeah. through through two Ponfars at this point. You know, he doesn't know who he is. Maybe just one. <laughs> right. And then you add in the whole family relationships, unaffectionate yep. father mom that couldn't really show affection sister he hasn't been speaking to it's like there's so much there and to strange identify cousin who shows up to help you with your dying shallot you know <laughs> also you're <laughs> randomly engaged like in an arranged marriage or something nah, you know i mean right 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 even that you know uh listen captain uh, by the way at some point we're gonna have to divert to uh, hometown because I'm betrothed would be something you should probably put on your uh, arrival papers when you sign up for duty, right? <laughs> like, you know, I mean, you're Spock. You know to the precise second when this bill is due because that's how you calculate things. Uh, but you just bothered to not tell your captain or even that, you know, the Vulcan ambassador to the Federation is your father. Um, so he's 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 canonically very secretive person. You know, it yeah. makes uh, it, it doesn't make uh, it, it makes more sense than not. And I'm excited. Um, I'm excited for Star Trek forever. Uh, but I am particularly excited about the upcoming slate. You know, we've got they're shooting season two and three of Picard. They're uh, already recording season three of Lower Decks. Uh, suck it, haters. Um, they are uh, uh, recording uh, or shooting Strange New Worlds is wrapping up. And prodigy yeah, they just wrapped the season, way. or they just wrapped episode seven, I think. It's uh, man, I can't wait. I don't know when it's going to debut, but I, uh, I, I'm excited for every bit of it. Um, you know, I'm here just for it. Take me on these rides, and uh, yeah, it's just like uh, let's, um, you know, everyone got excited when recently in the in the recent news, Amazon has purchased uh, MGM, uh, which includes the Stargate franchise and the James Bond franchise, and. Um, if there is a fan base that is itching to hand over dollars, y'all, it's those of us that are also Stargate fans. Um, uh, I'm so excited. Like I would love content. to see, I would love to see a, a reboot or a re revitalization of, of Stargate. Talk it's about, talk about perfect. some stuff that did not age well. Yeah. Like the, uh, you watched the, the, you watched first the first season. Three of, seasons of yeah, yeah, yeah. Maybe. Hey, just... guess what? Emancipation, written by the same person who wrote Code of Honor. Yep, yep. And it <laughs> huh, makes no total surprise. Sense. Yeah, yeah, no surprise. Yeah, do you see you know this? That. This is my Ooh. surprised face, yeah, Dan. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But... Uh, man, though. Yeah, season one, Stargate is. You have to. You kind of have to just barrel through that and understand that it does get. It gets significantly better, much faster than. Uh, yeah, that. you and might just problematic want to drink a episodes lot. dribble off very quickly. Uh, the last, the back half of that first season is actually very good um, and gets over a lot of that. But yeah, some of it didn't age so well. <laughs> and yeah, you know, add that to my add that to my sci-fi list because I really, really enjoyed. Oh, it, is, like, it is the uh, it is up. The, it's one of the four pillars. So there are four. The four pillars of Star franchise are Star Trek, Star uh, Wars, Stargate, and Battle Star Galactica. 
So mm -hmm. uh, those those four, can, I can't. I'm I'm incapable of being objective about them. Um, I really enjoyed Battlestar Galactica as well. I have not seen the original. I will admit that uh, at all. That is a nostalgia but... bomb. So you know, if you didn't when you were young, maybe not gonna land quite the same. <laughs> uh, but it does have uh, John Colicos in it, uh, who is also a track actor and played Core uh, Commander Core, the Klingon. <laughs> Um, and uh, he plays the Dr. Gaius Baltar in that iteration. Uh, but the miniseries in the, well, the 2004-2005 uh, remake was just uh, still good stuff. Still holds up. I've been rewatching yeah. a little here and there, and it's it's fantastic. It was great. The, the last Ronald season got a little weird, but... Um... It did. Uh, but all good sci-fi gets a little weird in the end, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> I mean, you could, you could make a list of... It got weird in the last couple of seasons. Like Buffy, Buffy got yep, weird in the last couple of seasons. Yeah. Um, what was I just thinking? Stargate, Stargate got <laughs> real weird in the last couple of seasons. Um, but yeah, I mean, it it it, it becomes kind of like, like hell. Voyager got a little weird in the last season. <laughs> well, you know, uh, five seasons, five, six, and seven. I, for the most part, of hey, speaking of, it got weird like the last ten seasons. Supernatural. Uh, but shows that just, you know, maybe don't know when to find their end. Um, and after five or six seasons, you know, especially back in the day with 20 odd, 20 something, six episodes a year, uh, you had to stretch some stuff. I mean, it was, it, you know, you just, you weren't gonna, you weren't gonna always hit a home run. And that is, uh, that is for sure. But, um, yeah, you know, you're talking about Sorry, you're talking. You're talking about your your four pillars. I mean, for me, I would probably swap uh, Battlestar Galactica uh -huh. with Babylon Five. Okay, that's that's a, that that will that that will be uh, that is an allowed allow substitution. Yeah, yeah. No, only because I under I personally don't share, but understand the passion that Babylon Five fans have. It's and it's that was just never landed with me. And that I I you know I try every so often. I do try. You know, Babylon 5 was another one that I picked up right from the beginning. Like, I remember I watching the gathering, yeah. the gathering on its original broadcast. Mm -hmm. um, and and what made me think of it was when we were, we were just talking about, like, it got weird in the last season. You know, one thing <laughs> that, that Straczynski yeah. <laughs> really did was, like, he came into that with a plan. Like, five mm -hmm. seasons, this is what we're doing in each season. So it... If he if he had been able to stick with his original plan, it wouldn't have gotten weird because yeah. it was all planned out in this giant arc. And the thing you know, that when it screwed gets weird, up the, when money gets involved, that's when it gets it weird. Gets, it gets weird when you when you have to have to pivot like that. And mm. with the whole like, no, we're canceling it. No, we're not. Um, you've you've just lost your lead actor because he's going to do something else. Um, and you've you're you've almost killed off half your characters, but no wait they're coming back um, <laughs> because sci-fi that was that was kind of like the, the i think that was the 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 joy killer for the last part of season four and then all of season five with babylon five but just in terms of great sci-fi i think that seasons two through midway of season four of babylon five absolutely have to stand up there with even some of the best trek and i really liked some of the things that they tackled kind of like some some of the stuff that ds9 verged on with the dominion war like they're mm -hmm. messy choices there are no good answers nobody's nobody's able to take the moral high ground on this because you who just was right can't. cisco or eddington yes 
Yeah, right. <laughs> and I think that there was there was a lot of that that they really were were getting into on Babylon Five, and then also certainly with Battlestar Galactica, like some of the messy things that they had to deal with. Mm -hmm. And uh, as it's and that's when sci-fi is at its best is when it's the backdrop to the to the the personal story. Um, you know, the story of the characters themselves are just, uh, the setting is, is, is just that it's just dressing. Um, you know, Battlestar Galactica isn't about fighting Cylons and, you know, uh, Vipers and, and Raiders and, and jumps to FTL. It's about what is, what is left of, of your civilization when there's only 50,000 of you and, and what will you choose to be? You know, right. you have an opportunity to prove the better of yourselves. Are you going to be that or are you going to be the basis of yourself? You know, and um, that's where I think that's where these, you know, and it isn't it isn't unique to sci fi. It's been done as long as we've been telling stories. But to set ourselves outside of uh, these and examine, um, you know, examine these bigger questions. Uh, it just so happens that we all kind of gravitate towards it because we're nerds. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And I think that, you know, that's one of the things I'm so excited about with the second season of Picard and, and Q coming back because of the whole, yep. the very the very end of all good things that exploring existence is really the journey. Yep. And I'm like, and that just that. And I feel so like there's going to be some whimsy and fun because of it. Oh, yeah. Not that there just, wasn't uh, in, in the first season. I had fun, uh, but also I think they're. We there, we haven't we haven't had a modern trek where it's just let's go, let's go have some fun, mm -hmm. um, and I think I think we're, we're going to get some of that in Strange that. New Worlds. Oh yeah, yeah. With no the doubt, with the no return doubt. to the episodic format, no doubt. Um, and the a little the bit of Alien of the, of the Week will do us some good. Yeah, a little bit, a little yeah. bit of Planet Alien of the Week, a little bit, a little bit of diplomatic trouble. You know, let's uh, let's solve your long-standing social issues and then completely forget about you forever. <laughs> Bye. <laughs> Bye. Don't worship Landrew. See you later. <laughs> well, Chris, um, you know, uh, fortunately, uh, I get to visit with you pretty much every other week or anytime I want to because uh, I have you on Discord. I have you on Twitter. I have you on um, DS 9 pod. Uh, but is there anything else you want to get out to the listeners before we have to say goodnight for this show? No, it's been great. This has been super uh, fun. Thanks for having me on. Of course, of course. Uh, and, uh, you know, uh, dear listeners, um, I just want to say thank you for being here to hear the show. I hope again to uh, that we've earned your ears again next week. And if you like the show and you want to help, the easiest and best thing you can do is head to your catcher of choice and leave a little review or drop in a five-star rating. That's always nice. Um, but if you really really want to help and you have some material uh support to offer you can do so at patreon.com da uh slash d-a-n-d-e-c-k-r and therefore as little as a dollar a month you can support the show and gain access to the speakeasy discord server and for as little as three dollars a month you can gain early access to every episode as they become available um and so if you'd like to do that just head on over to patreon.com and uh click the join link otherwise um, this show will be free, will be ad-free, and available to you every Thursday for as long as I can manage to do it, and um, which is hopefully until I die. Uh, but with that, I will uh, look forward to talking to you all again next week and say goodnight, closing it down from the Tozuck Studios. Yeah, okay.